Imagine if each morning when you wake up, you're smiling and looking forward to your day, knowing you are happy even while you're dealing with grief and loss. The Grief and Happiness Podcasts inspires, comforts, and supports you with each new episode. I'm Emily Zerothret, welcoming you to explore with me your life of endless possibilities. Aloha. I am so happy to have you here with me today. I've got a very special guest, Hilary Safran, and she's written this just delightful book. We'll talk about it as we go along, but it's something that is so inspirational, and I think it would be great for just about anybody to read. So, hi, Hilary. Welcome today. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about you? Well, thank you for having me. Yes, I have worked in social services for state of Alaska and for nonprofits for over 20 years. And I've always also had a side business. So for many years, while I was a single mom, actually for 28 years, I was a birthday party clown and also did singing telegrams and got into the novelty entertainment world and became a ventriloquist too. But I also started writing books um, about 10 years ago. I was going through a difficult time with a teenager daughter (laughs) and uh, realized, even though I've worked in social services, that I had pretty good coping skills and I loved humor as much as possible. So I wrote my first book, Laughing in the Rain, Self-Care for the Storms of Life. 10 years ago, and it's a very therapeutic experience. You know, I say it probably took either 54 days or 55 years to write that book. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and, yeah, and then because of my work, I'm not retired from the day job, you know, but I have a few years ago, but I wanted to write something that would help anybody of any age going through any form of adversity, which means anyone human who's breathing and living, you know, and I wanted it to be given for free, hopefully, to clients who might be using agencies for help, you know, for discounted bulk sales to any agency, because I'm not a billionaire, so I can't afford to make hundreds and thousands. I would in my heart. So it's a compilation of 18 stories of all different forms of life, of famous celebrities, um, myself, family and friend, unknown people, but people who've gone through things that someone could identify with. So whether it's homelessness, domestic violence, alcoholism, recovery, all kinds of things. Mine had been a single parent, been on welfare, and now I'm on the other side of the desk helping those clients so I could understand. And the basic theme is whatever you've gone through in life, even if it was devastating and challenging, you have developed transferable skills from that experience to help yourself and others. And many people who've gone through terrible adversities have formed nonprofits and ministries and better careers and podcasts and jobs and careers and 
helping others. And I know you have a story. And if I had known you before, you would have been in the book. But that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, the same thing. Everything's a choice in life. And you can choose to be bitter or better. So I want people to choose healthy things that would help themselves and everyone else. And that's what I wrote that book, Fill Your Glass with Gold. That That's wonderful. I, and I, I was thinking as I was reading it about what you just said, that it's really for anybody. Anybody mm-hmm. can read it and, and get inspired by it because each each story in it is different. It's true. And they can see, wow, if if they can do it, I can do it. That yeah. Victor Frankel, is that mm-hmm. his name? Man's uh, search for meaning. Yeah. I I loved his his book, Man's Search for Meaning. And to read about him in in context of what you're doing in this book there, it, it was quite beautiful because anybody that Victor Frankel was a, a Holocaust survivor and he was a long time in those um mm-hmm. prisons, yeah, camps. Yeah. And to to read his story and see what he went through and be able to come out on the other side and make do wonderful things with his life is so inspirational and and that's that's just you know a little hint of the kinds of stories that are in this book that anybody it doesn't matter who you are or what you're doing there's always something you can do mm-hmm. exactly and in fact I got a call the other day. It was so nice. Um, It was from a local agency for homelessness called Family Promise, where they got uh, purchased 100 books. And the executive director called me and said, you won't believe this. Um, A teenager read it and identified with one of the stories because her sister had always talked her down. And I thought, oh, maybe Oprah Winfrey or one of those, you know, female things. She goes, no, it was Albert Einstein because Albert Einstein was deemed, was called academically subnormal by one of his teachers. He didn't speak till he was four. He was often, you know, gazing in the distance. He was a deep thinker, but they, he was judged. And this teenage girl had always been talked down by her older sister. Oh, you can't do this. And you're too dumb and this and that. And she totally identified with that story. So that, that made my day that it could touch a life any age. Oh yeah. And and that's so interesting because so many times we do things and we never hear about the results. So for you to get that feedback is fabulous because if, if you got that feedback from one person, you know yeah. that's magnified through so many people who've yeah. read your book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in my line of work in social services, I deal with people who've gone through tragedy on a daily basis. Why are you on welfare? Well, it's not usually because, hey, I just feel like getting free money because I don't want to work. Usually it's a, a divorce, domestic violence, uh, the dream went wrong, you know, a breakup, uh, physical illness, you know, mental uh, challenges, a, a plethora of unfortunate adversities. And I always say, do you realize you have these great skills? Like if someone had been incarcerated for substance abuse, they would make after a year or two of sobriety, the best substance abuse counselor, because nobody, you know, yeah, nobody could say, oh, you don't know what this is like. They say, oh yeah, you're talking to somebody who understands. And I've had a lot of clients who have special needs children, Well, they have developed amazing skills to help not only children 
who have those kind of special needs, but the parents, a lot of parents need support groups and whole agencies have been formed for support for parents of especially children, whether they've gone through health issues or autism or whatever, you know, there's so many things that people need help with. And especially in this society, we all need to help and um, bring happiness and joy and, and good health to each other. And that means positivity and encouragement. Yeah, that's right. I just, my blog a couple of weeks ago that I wrote was titled, I get by with a little help from my friends. And it's, it, we we all can have that benefit. And a lot of times we don't even realize who our friends are yeah. who, who would be more than happy to help or do something. An example of that right now, I live in Maui and mm. with dealing with the aftermath of the incredible fires that we had here, um, actually it's still burning at, at this point. One of them, really? yeah, the the big fire that got all the the because of all the the death and the the loss of a, a whole community got the most attention. But there were fires in many places on the island. One of them close to me that's still burning. Wow. So in things like that, this this island, the people of this island have come together in a, an amazing way. And have found the most creative ways to support each other, created new things. Everybody wanted to do something. And instead of just saying, oh, gee, I'd like to do something about that, they did. Yeah, and it, it, people, people, I think, inherently want to help. They, yeah. they want to make other people feel better or comfort them. I, I just think that's a natural part of our, our makeup. Right. And the the stories that you have in your book are are like that. You you read I actually I read through it or read it rather quickly just because of that's how my time was and I wanted to be sure I finished it before I talked to you. But I kept thinking, oh, I want to pause after I read each one of these and think about it and mm -hmm. see examples in my life of the kinds of things that people are doing in the book because it just it's so validating somehow that, that there are so many people out there that have these amazing stories. Yeah. What, what's your favorite story in the book? One of my favorite stories is someone I became friends with, how the pica and photography saved my life, Philip Flippo. What, what I would do when I was researching stories for the books, aside from the ones I knew, Mm -hmm. that I had done in my workshop for clients. I We have a local newspaper called Magazine, the People's Paper, and people could submit stories, you know, and it's for free and everybody, it's a, we have a community here in Alaska. Um, it's a very close community and small town kind of thing. And so I would look at these local stories to see if anyone was, interesting. And then I would contact that person say, Hey, can I use your story? I'm writing this book. So one of them, um, a cancer survivor, I met her, then I ended up playing in her band for a year. Oh. <laughs> that was the Astrid Muller one. And then this story was just fascinating. It was about, we had an earthquake in 2018 in Alaska and it, it was a pretty big one. Uh, I remember we, our work was closed for a few days. It was pretty heavy duty. It was a 7.1. And one of the people who lived in 
up in a more rural area in Wasilla had a well. His name is Philip, and he had a well on his property. But the earthquake shook the well. Now, he never minded the taste of his well water, but his wife never liked the taste, so she would always drink bottled water. Remember that. Well, what happened was after the earthquake, he started getting very, very ill. Now, he had always been an office worker, you know, a very um, take charge manager type, always worked inside, born in Alaska, but, you know, very office. And then he got to debil- he was a debilitating headaches and pain in his 30s, 35, 36 years old, little brain tumor, but for four years went all over Mayo Clinic and Cleveland Clinic and nobody could find anything until they finally found it was arsenic poisoning from his well because his well was not far from an old gold mine because we had the gold rush here and he would drink the water that was poisoned with arsenic while his wife never liked the taste, always drank bottled water, which was a, a miracle for him. She could take care of him. Make a long story short, he couldn't work his job. He was devastated emotionally, financially. And so what he did was he felt the only thing left while he's having these debilitating headaches and was so depressed. He goes, well, he still loved to cook. And, you know, Young people, not my generation, but um, he would take pictures of what he ate and post on Facebook. Well, a local restaurant saw his pictures from his cell phone and said, oh, could you take pictures of our menus? And went, oh. So they felt, well, they have to look professional. So they went to Anchorage and got a camera, you know, from a Photoshop. And then he took pictures. And he really liked it. He's like, oh, I feel validated as a human being, right? So before you know it, he goes, you know, I live in Alaska. I've never seen the wildlife. <laughs> I mean, we have moose walk in our backyard, but he had never been in that world. So he went to a local, um, you know, the local forest uh, a Department of Agriculture and asked where are the animals, everybody mocked him. But they showed him, you know, not far from where I am in 10 minutes is a place called Hatcher Pass. Beautiful trails and mountains and, you know, you can hike in a postcard, you know, 10 minutes away. So he went there and became enamored with the pika, which is a, the smallest of the rabbit family. Anyway, he found that he spent hours and hours and hours becoming this wildlife nature photographer that seven months after he picked up a camera, he was award-winning, 2022 award-winning photographer. Now he has a fantastic photography business and he teamed up with like Alaska Field and Street Magazine and he has uh, a, a newspaper, I mean, uh, you know, calendars, beautiful. Well, I tell my husband about it and he, my husband says, oh, I know him. He grew up with my son. And so he was over and they reunited after years. It was a very amazing story. And we're friends to this day. So that oh, happened in that story. That's so fabulous. I, I know when I read that, I had to look up Pika because I had to see what it yeah, looked like. Never heard of it. <laughs> and then then that led me to seeing his pictures. And I thought, wow, <laughs> he really yeah, is he good. Yeah, he didn't So I bought for Christmas, you know, like, uh, like 10 of his prints that just beautiful all my house. But it's so funny. I became friends with these people. And I wonder with your podcast, how many friends have you developed because of your podcast and your work that you do? I have developed friends and yeah. especially with the work that I do. And I, I love that because people that I never would have thought of talking to before um, have some of them have even sought me out. For, for instance, one of my people that is very inspirational in my life is Marcy Shimoff. Oh, yeah. 
And yeah. she wrote, wrote a book called Happy for No Reason. And when I was working on my writing, the, the first book I wrote was Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. And I kept thinking there was something missing because I was trying to keep it positive, but right. I just felt like there was something missing. And I I had read her book after I've had two husbands die. And after the, the first one died, I read the book and it really helped me with perspective. And I realized that that was what had been why I was seeing something and happiness was what was missing. And about that time, uh, up in my email came up this thing saying there's this certified happy for no reason trainer program. Mm. And <laughs> I thought, hmm, I'm just going to take that just because I want to. And so I did. And the way she works with her her program is she's done all this research and has all this wonderful stuff on happiness. And when you get certified in your program, you can use any of it any way you want to that'll help people with happiness. And I thought, there it is. It's supposed to be grief and happiness. So that's where that came from, the grief and happiness yeah. and, and how I was inspired to do all that. Yeah. Well, somehow she heard my story, knew my story, and she does a webinar every once in a while when she does presents this program. And she asked me if I'd come on the webinar and tell people what I had done with what she had told me. And so so I did a, a couple of times. And, and on one of those, she announced, she goes, and you've got a, a, a podcast. And I said, yes, it's Grief and Happiness. And she goes, I want to be on that podcast. So I said, okay. <laughs> and I interviewed her for the podcast, and that was great. And then my most recent book came out a couple of months ago. And the, the week before it came out, she had come to visit Maui because she loves Maui. And she knew my book was was coming out shortly. And she contacted me and she said, I'm going to go to this meditation thing this one afternoon. Would you like to go with me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she had run into a couple of other people on the island just in the grocery store who were in one of her groups. And she recognized them from the group. And so she invited the two of them, too. So we went to this meditation thing. And then afterwards, she said, I want you to come to the the house that I'm I'm staying while I'm here on Maui afterwards and have poo-poo. So it's just what they call appetizers here in Hawaii. And when we went there and I discovered the reason that she really wanted me to come over is she wanted to do this special blessing on me for my book and, and know oh. that how successful it was going to be and how much support it was going to give people all over the world. And wow. <laughs> so I think that's that's the biggest example of someone where they, they actually kind of ended up seeking me out because of the work that I'm doing. Well, I'm sure your work is extremely important now. Especially yes. with what's happening with Maui, you're you're a very desired helper for yeah. everyone, and and I do love it. I do love doing what I'm doing, and it it feels so good to be helpful. And I, I think I was recognizing that in the stories in your book. But some of the people I think maybe didn't recognize what an impact that they had, but they made it anyway. They weren't doing it for for glory or for pats on the back or anything. That's just who they heart. were. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's their passion, mm -hmm. and to see people living their passion is yeah. so important. Well, I was thinking of Beethoven. He was deaf at twenty six and still composing because he could still hear the music in his head and heart. Oh, that really is inspirational. Oh yeah, I I have a, a well, I'll call him a friend. My 
granddaughter and her husband are professional musicians. They travel all over the world playing jazz and they're, they're really fabulous. And they met, I'm not sure how they got together with him initially, Justin. Oh, and this last name is not coming to me right now. It will, but they, they met Justin who was a pianist, jazz pianist who was born sighted, but by the time he was, I think, seven, he was starting to have visual problems. And he ended up, and not too long after that, becoming completely blind. Well, he discovered the piano at his house, and he'd been, I think, playing it before he became blind. And he just continued with that, and it became kind of like his his life's blood. And he's a phenomenal pianist. And he ended up going away to college with his his guide dog and was able to go in a big city and be able to to do things even go into new york city and play there and in college there was a man named clark terry that you'd have to be an old jazz fan probably to recognize clark terry's name but he was one of the original famous jazz people in the u.s and played trumpet and he had gone, he lived not that far from the college, and he'd go over and hang out with the kids that were jazz majors. And he and Justin just, Justin Coughlin, I knew it would come to me. He and Justin just clicked. And so they they got to be uh, really good friends. And one of uh, Justin's friends was a filmmaker, and he said, I'd really like to make a movie about the two of you and your relationship. And so... He did. And in the process, one of Clark Terry's good friends came to visit him. And Clark was the the, the mentor of, of this person. And it was Quincy Jones. And so Quincy fell in love with Cough, uh, Justin, just like Clark Terry had. And Justin became Quincy Jones's like last mentee that he's done. He still supports a lot of people, but he, he really took him under his wing so that this whole spectrum was there. And what Justin has done, he's, he is so happy and his music is so phenomenal. And he he got my uh, granddaughter involved with Quincy Jones and Quincy Jones just, uh, he, the quote that they use from him uh, in marketing is uh, Quincy Jones says, this girl is it. Because she's really good, and they invited him to Dubai to to have a residency there in Q's Jazz Club and the Versace Hotel in Dubai, and it, you know it, it's really big stuff. And it's just from one person knowing another person and not letting their handicaps or not handicaps. I hate that word, but not letting their challenges dissuade them from living their best life. From challenge to champion, mm-hmm. you know, turn it around. Yeah. And it's all perspective. It's Mm -hmm. how you look at something. You know, um, I've had clients who I please, I I plead with them, be a victor, not a victim. You have a choice and they'll they'll own, oh no, my identity is PTSD. And I'm thinking, 
No, you know, <laughs> be a champion. You could be an anxiety counselor. You can, you can be, you know, turned into like I had, you know, who hasn't had a challenging childhood, right? So I turned it into, well, an opportunity to become a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> or learning opportunities of, you know, help others. But it's all perspective and it's a decision. How are you going to look at something? you know, um, as a victim or a victor. And that's why I also love that book, Happy for No Reason. And I also enjoyed that training. It's it's like coaching tools for life, you know, how to live a, ha- a happier, healthier life. And that's what your podcast is about and your work is about and mine too. You know, whether it's my, um, you know, regular job or my therapy practice on the side, just for you want you desire for everyone to have healthier and happier lives, you know, and that would make the world a better place. If yes. people were really happy and content, would you really have wars? <laughs> you know, and and they weren't coveting and wanting what you have. If everybody was content and happy, you know, there'd be so much less strife. But the, you know, that's our dream, right? For yes. you know, for more harmonious uh, living. I, I, was, I was thinking about that, too, when I was reading your book about how uh, since you have a career as a clown and that's making people happy and, and what yeah, you're doing yeah. with that. I, I have a uh, background in theater. I've done a lot of theater, a lot of directing, acting, own my own theater. It's a pretty extensive background. But I, I found that I loved comedy, both mm-hmm. as a performer acting in, in a place where I was doing comedy or directing a comedy because I loved making people laugh. It felt so good to me. Yeah, it's very healing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, there's there's a a quote, a merry heart does good like a medicine. It is, it's medicinal. Like movement is medicine, so is humor. It it really is. We had uh, an example of that. I was directing a comedy at a dinner theater and somebody who I I knew came in who was a, a neuro neurosurgeon took me a second to remember exactly what that was but neurosurgeon and he had cancer and everybody in town knew it because everybody in town knew him and he was he was a a really great guy and he came in he looked so frail and he sat right his seat was right down close to the stage and I always sat up in the back so I could watch the whole audience he came in looking kind of frail and pale and I watched him and he started laughing and he laughed more and laughed more and laughed more till he was just like bubbly on his way out of the building. He was so like relieved. It's like all the, the pain and tension had flown away for, for a moment. And he, he, he just exuded this, this, joy like I I hadn't seen him ever before and it it was so rewarding to me I thought that's why I do this because I can really facilitate people discovering their happiness and their joy well that's like the book anatomy of an illness Norman Cousins who when he had his illness he was the Washington Post writer in the 60s when he said 10 minutes of a good belly laugh gave him two hours of pain-free sleep you know and then started that whole humor movement you know that's why you have humor carts in hospitals things like that yeah Yeah. I I think that's so wonderful I I think it's wonderful that there are people that can be a clown you know and know that that people are gonna smile and laugh and and love because of that 
uh, it reminded me of my aunt who was a nurse and she'd had a, a hard life, lots of different things that kind of more basically beyond her control, but she handled them with such dignity and grace. And she always was pleasant and happy and she was there for people if they needed them. And she was in a terrible accident. Mm. And I went to visit her and she was at, at her home in a hospital bed in her living room. And it, how old the story is, she had VHS tapes. <laughs> and the VHS tape that she had uh, on her bed that day when I went in was Patch Adams, the Robin oh, Williams. Yeah. That's uh, great. Yeah, it's a great movie about a, a doctor healing people with happiness. And yeah. I said, oh, you like that movie? And she goes, yeah, I play it every day. <laughs> she said, it just, it makes me laugh. It makes me feel good. And it was like better than medicine for her to to yeah. have, find something that, that touched her heart and made her happy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's our goal. Yep. It sure is. And and your your book can do that. And I love the idea of you wanting to have it get to people. I don't want to say for free because it, it's it's paid for ultimately and it needs to be. Yeah, but print, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's more than the printing cost. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's so great to get it in the hands of people that can go, oh wow, if this person couldn't do that, maybe I can do that too. Yeah. And I know I was reflecting as I was reading the stories about different people I knew, and I thought, well, that's kind of like so-and-so, and and that's kind of like what he did, you know, and it it kind of made me realize that there's a lot of people around like this, you know, the everyday people, not not people that everybody knows their name, but they are, are making those kinds of differences in their life just from their perspective. Yeah, I think of them as silent heroes. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I just made it up. You're an inspiration. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. I, I really like that. We we need more silent heroes. And they yeah. don't even necessarily need to be silent. <laughs> you right, know, right, they, exactly. they can be happy and tell the good stories and things like that exactly. too. And and they're all over the place. It's it's not just uh, like this weekend I went to a art workshop because we've got this fabulous art center here on Maui. And when they bring people in to do a show, artists in to do a show, frequently they will ask them to do a workshop for the people in Maui to to come in and try it. And this this person had us do, it was like art therapy. We did four different art projects and she walked us through it and she goes, well, this is about how you feel about whatever it was. And it was amazing. It, and, and I think she didn't think of herself necessarily as a game changer or life changer for, for people uh, as an artist. But boy, was she. You know, the, the people in the room were so inspired. And her show at the gallery was so incredibly beautiful. And it just, you never know when you're going to come across somebody or some experience like that. And I, I think the key is to pay attention and when you have that experience, remember it. I'm I'm big on journaling. I'd say write it down because you don't want to forget this because it, yeah. it really can have an impact on your life. It's, that's so true. And she probably didn't think of herself as an art therapist. No, she, I'm sure she didn't. That's just the approach she took to her workshop. Wow, that sounds very impactful. Yes. Like your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I I, just absolutely love it when I hear from people about something that they heard on the podcast and yeah. how it made a difference in their life or 
made them think about something or, or inspired them to do something. I, I you just think that's so book cool. That, um, could be coming out of Maui, all the inspirational stories from, you know, um, a fiery furnace to, um, you know, fantastic development, you know, from, I'm sure there'll be a lot, a lot of stories of inspiration. There, there already are. You have to stay with devastation. It could be a devastation to inspiration because, yeah. you know, yeah, there's, there's, you know, so many things going around, why they started, who started, what happened and all that. And you could be mired in the negativity and the politics and the thing, or just concentrate on let's get everybody better and get their lives going. You know, I, you know what's interesting I, to me about that is I'll hear from people that don't live on Maui mm -hmm. those those conspiracy theories and everything else. I'm not hearing them on Maui. On Maui, oh, we're hearing people helping people. You know, if you've got a room in your home, you, you probably have somebody living in it. You're probably so busy just trying to get life back. Yeah, and just doing whatever they. They yeah. just had so much stuff donated that they didn't know what they were going to do at all with it all. There was there's one place and I'm, I won't tell you where because I don't want to give the wrong impression. Right. But there was one place where people feel strongly about and they kept donating all this product uh, to people were donating it to the place. Tons of it. And they, they had to put the word out. We're giving this stuff away. Please come take it. You don't have to have been somebody whose home was burned down. Just please come take this stuff so that it won't go to waste. Wow. And that happened in, in different ways in different places all over. It, it just, it's amazing. So, yeah, I, I do believe there's a book there. I, I keep starting articles about, you know, these are alternative ways to deal with disaster. You know, this is right. something that I I can, we were talking last night at a, a group that, that I go to about what we can do to help people. And I was saying that I could, I could visualize a healing arts center here Absolutely. on Maui that yeah. was specifically for people who lived on Maui, where they would go there and have like this workshop, the art workshop I went to this weekend. It could be in any of the arts. And yeah, music. Yeah, any, anything, writing, music, painting, dancing, what you know, whatever. And yeah that how we could create that and have it be a, a model that when somebody else is suffering from a disaster, right. they could say, this is a way that we can serve each other and, and recover. I could see how the community would be knit even closer. Like if you had a great sense of community before, it's probably on steroids now mm -hmm. with how much bonding has happened and so much more love being given and shared and, and camaraderie and friendship and everybody probably became more of a family. Yeah, very much. There's, there's, uh, well, aloha means love and there's, yeah. there's just so much aloha yeah. going on here. And an, an example of something that somebody did was the Maui, uh, not Maui, Ohana guardian guides. And that's something that some friends of mine put together where a lot of times the people who are severely affected, like the ones who, who literally lost all their personal belongings, except for the clothes on their back, 
Um, and they really needed like money right now. And there's lots of things that people can donate to that eventually they're going to get benefits from different things. But these people really needed to go buy underwear or, you know, do sure. do something like that. Basic and people, necessities. Yeah. yeah, just just basic things. And so with this guardians group, they've got Ohanas, which are the people who are are dealing with the results of the fire. And Ohana means family. So it's it's like a family. If if the family's, for instance, house burned down, then they could really use funding for specific things that they needed at that moment. And the guardians are people who will come along and volunteer to be a guardian and they will be set up with a family. And all all this is very carefully vetted so that that you everything's legit, you know, that it's legit. And then the guardians agree to provide some financial support to these people, but also invite their friends to provide financial support. And they make sure the families have something set up like Venmo so that they can, the people can donate the money directly to the families. So it's not something that they're doing for a tax deduction. Right. And it's something that the families can get immediately. And it's not going to affect any other benefits that they get because it's just just a gift. These Beautiful. gifts that people can give them. And I just think it's fabulous. And they, they of course they right now have more more ohanas than they have guardians, but uh they're looking for guardians and this will be going on for a long time. So anybody who wants to be a guardian, let me know and I'll hook you up. Because <laughs> it's just such a, a beautiful thing to do because people want to help. They want to do something and they're not really sure how. And that's to me that that was a unique program that somebody very beautiful idea. Just figured out how to do. So it's uh, it's wonderful how tragedy can bring people together and make uh, make some beauty and love come out of it. Exactly. Yeah. Beauty for ashes. Yeah. So we kind of got off topic here from your book. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, <laughs> it's talking all about everything it's else. All, it's all making the best out of something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that's, that's the thing, making the yeah. best out of whatever it is that you do yeah. or, or experience. Yeah, yeah. It it reminds me of a, a podcast I did with a father whose son, shortly after he graduated from college, was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Mm-hmm. And he was he was a theater major in college and a real happy, outgoing guy. And people would come to visit him and they would all be sobbing and, you know, they knew that he was on his way out and he'd go, no, what's good about today? Beautiful. He'd always say that to the people. And I just love that. So when, when somebody starts getting on that negative thing, I go, no, right now, what's good about right now? That is a beautiful way to live and to think of every day. There's always something beautiful you can think about or see. The fact that we're just here sharing. I didn't know you last year. No, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy about that today, right this minute. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. And I'm happy to know you and happy to have read your book because it was so inspirational. Thank you. And I am going to read your book. I, I have to. I haven't yet, but I will. I'm going to read all your books. Because, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I was intrigued because um, I have a friend who recently lost her husband and I right away sent your website and that information. Yeah. Yeah. That was she was shocked. It was kind of not expected. They had been together 36 years, married 31. And uh, she had called me the day that he passed. I was very honored, you know, to um, go over her house when it was so raw. 
you know, to cry, to cry with her, because that's what we do when we're friends. You laugh together and you cry together and you share life. But I just thought your book was, uh, and well, your work, it's not just your books. Your books are one aspect of your work mm-hmm. because you also, you have the podcast, the books, and you run workshops, don't you? When you mm-hmm. do coaching. Yeah, you do the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. But I love the idea of grief and happiness in the same sentence because you shouldn't end on one. one the end of one is the beginning of another. That's right. And they yeah. can be intertwined in that process. Yeah. I, I know when, when I first came up with, with the putting those words together and kind of feeling out the concept and I'd, I'd say something to somebody and they go, oh, those two words don't go in the same sentence or that's an oxymoron or something Why like not? that. Yeah. And now I, people aren't telling me that anymore. I, I don't know whether it's just from the reflection that they're they're getting from me or that they're they're really starting to look at things in a different way. And that's that's what I would love for things to be. They absolutely yeah. grief. Grief is very important, but you can still be happy. Yeah, which shows happiness through everything. And it is a choice. Mm-hmm. Happiness is a choice. There was a book by that one. Happiness is a choice. And I used to get these books, but I wouldn't always read them. But I will admit, um, Happy for No Reason was a book that I really felt happier while I was reading it. Great life principles that yeah. um, are for just good principles, which I know you want to disseminate in your work. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, anybody who's a healer or a helper or a coach or a writer, that's what you want, you know, spread positivity and good concepts. So, yeah. 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 So thank you for this podcast and this opportunity. It's been fun. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's, it's great to get to talk to you and know you a little better. I, I know we talk a couple times a month in a, in a group, but it's really nice yeah. to, to get to do one-on-one with you and, and yeah. be able to share that with a lot of people. So thank you so much for being my guest. And thank you for having me. And then to my guests today, uh, I'm so glad that you listened to this conversation. I hope you're smiling because <laughs> that's that's kind of my aim with what I do is to have you see what's good about today and, and find that smile and just take a deep breath and feel better. So I'm glad you listened. And I know that you'll be back to listen to more with more podcasts. And I'm I'm grateful that you've been my guest. So I'll see you next time. Aloha. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode.